good to have all of you with us today. You like our new little Christmas opening there? Isn't that cool? Our guys do such a great job. Let's all stand together and let's, let's uh, say the Apostles' Creed together. This is the one thing that we all do together as a family of faith. We all stand together and repeat this. This is what we speak out as far as what we truly believe in here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day he rose, oops. <laughs> Follow the bouncing ball, Mark. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, before I get into the message this morning, just kind of a little update. Last week, I shared with you uh, some clips from our new television show that we produce called Love, Marriage, and Stinking Thinking, a show about marriage and some of the goofy things that we think about it. And uh, we had fun looking at that last week. Now, our goal was to go ahead and produce it. We went ahead and shot it, uh, the series, with no commitment from anybody to air it. So we thought we'd just step out in faith because you have to show them something before they'll consider you anyway. So we went ahead and took the time and the investment to do that. And then uh, we're showing it to some networks. Now, we had a couple of networks uh, said that they would pick it up, but to some of them are the smaller networks. The big one is TBN. They're the 300-pound gorilla uh, on the, uh, in, the, in the Christian broadcasting world. Uh, and we wanted it to show it to them and see if they would pick it up. Now, to get them to even consider you is a big deal. And they did consider us. Uh, we got some green lights from them about a year, year and a half ago, which we thought was great. And then they offered to us basically the same deal that they offered to all the different ministries around the country. And that is, you can be on the network for $17,000 per show. Which, if you do the math over a year, you're pushing a million dollars. It's pretty expensive. That's just to air it. Okay, well, it's a little out of our budget. So uh, we uh, were hoping that some stations would pick it up for free. So uh, again, we did this and, and some said that they would. When Dino Karsanakis was here a couple of weeks ago, he's great friends with the, the people at TBN and I showed him the program and he says, this is fabulous, give it to me, I'll sell it to him. So, uh, so he sent it off to them and he texted me last Wednesday night, I think after the service and said, good news. It was like 11 o'clock at night. He said, they've approved it. So they're gonna air it for free, which is pretty cool. We also have Sky Angel is going to air it, and, uh, and Sky Angel also said that they would like to start airing our church program that we tape here and, and show all across uh, northern and central, north central Wisconsin. So uh, we're very excited about that. In a matter of months, we are going to be speaking from here, what God is doing here at this church in, in, in Wisconsin, to people, millions of people all over the world. And uh, we're very, very excited about that. Praise God. All right, let's take a look at our uh, message this morning. I have a message entitled, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Christmas time is upon us. We just had Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, 
the annual running of the pagans it's the day after Thanksgiving it's, you know Jesus said that don't worry about what you eat and drink and what you wear and all that kind of stuff because the pagans run after that stuff God will take care of you and I always call the day after Thanksgiving the annual running of the pagans because they're all running after that stuff and it's okay to do that just don't be a pagan and get all caught up in it but uh, Christmas season is upon us and uh, Christmas is always a great time it's a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to share your faith with family and friends because so many people are thinking about Christ and Christmas and the whole meaning behind Christmas. There's lots of wonderful opportunities will open up uh, for you. And I thought I would talk about that this morning as I talk about going to tell it on the mountain. I want to read from Luke, the the second chapter, uh, starting at verse 8. This is from the, the Christmas account. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another. Let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened. Which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them from the beginning of the gospel account we see that those who experienced Christ could not help but go out and tell others it says after they'd seen all this they rushed everywhere to tell people now no one told them to go do that but they couldn't help but do that you know Jesus told us before he went into heaven when he was ascended into heaven he said go into all the world and tell everybody about this wonderful good news but this is uh, while it's an instruction and a command the most effective part of this is not really when it's driven so much by command but driven by the result of experiencing God in your life for I am convinced when you experience God it is difficult not to share it with others and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning this is going to be the holiday season you'll be gathering with friends and again having opportunities to share as well as family family's always the toughest you know a lot of, of you try to avoid family as much as you can all year long and then Christmas comes the holidays come and we all get to be with family they have a chance a tendency to drive us a little nuts you know they all know the buttons by the way to push in you to really tick you off you know and uh, it can be a trying time but uh, it's also a great wonderful time to share God's love with them now uh, we look at a couple of examples in the Bible in addition to what the shepherds experienced here uh, I want to look at in the book of Acts this is, a, this is an account when Peter and John the disciples uh, this is just after the, the crucifixion of Jesus he'd raised from the dead they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then the Bible tells us this account where they're walking into the temple 
And as they're walking into the temple, they see this guy there who's been laying there crippled from birth, the Bible says. And he's asking for money. He's begging. And Peter said, you know, we don't have any money, but we have something even better for you. And he reached down and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And pull this guy up. And the Bible says, instantaneously, his legs became strong. And there he was. Now that's quite a miracle. You've got to figure that's cool. I mean, when you've been that way, it's not like you've had a cold for a week and a half. I mean, this is from birth, all right? Crippled from birth. And the amazing part of this story to me isn't so much that all of a sudden his legs got strong because that's one cool miracle right there. But the fact that the Bible says he immediately began to walk and jump and run and praising God. Now check it out. If your legs were not working and all of a sudden they could work, we would be thrilled with that, but chances are you'd need some rehab, right? We got to work with you, get some strength in the legs. And if you've never walked before, how do you also know how to walk, right? Most of us took quite a while to get the walking thing down with many bruises to show for it and eventually we learn how to get our balance but not only could this guy stand up all of a sudden boom he could walk he could jump he had complete total control now everybody knew who this guy was and by the way he stood at, he sat at this gate all the times that Jesus went in and out and Jesus never healed him then don't all be discouraged if your miracle doesn't happen right away and God might be touching people around you and doing neat things for people and you say why isn't he doing stuff for me just be patient don't lose heart God hasn't forgotten about you he knows who you are he knows your circumstances and he's concerned about you but here's a guy who could have been mad and everybody else is getting healed he's just walking by me every day what's the deal here but all of a sudden his turn comes and boom, God does this incredible miracle. Well, everybody knew who this guy was and everybody's freaking out because now he's running and jumping and praising God. And again, he's experienced God. He can't keep his mouth shut. So he's telling everybody about it. Well, the religious leaders start freaking out. You have to remember, they had just crucified Jesus. They thought he was a bad guy. He was a heretic. He was nuts. He didn't know what he's talking about. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, this is the end of it. Now, all of a sudden, miracles are still happening in the name of Jesus, showing that Christ was alive and the power of God was still here because of what Christ had done on the cross. Well, they're freaking out and they don't know what to do. So they, they grab these guys. They grab Peter and John and this guy who'd been jumping around. And they bring him in to answer for their enthusiasm. There's one thing about religious people. They don't like enthusiasm. Don't get so excited about this. Calm down. You know, it's irreverent to be clapping and singing and praising God. You know, we've all been there. You're walking into these churches. It's like God's ticked off. Shh. Don't let him know we're here. Religion tends to not appreciate enthusiasm or very inappropriate. So they bring these guys in and they started asking questions and they're all of a sudden, they're just, yeah, this and that and Jesus has done this and this and this and they're kind of shocked. Because I remember, it wasn't very many weeks before, Peter was denying Jesus. Jesus, I don't know, Jesus, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. They're all running, they're scattering like cockroaches. They're hiding up in the upper room, they're afraid, doors are locked. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and energizes these guys. They go from the Keystone Cops to being Jedi warriors. 
They're kicking butt, taking names. They're doing all kinds of stuff and they're in front of these people and now they're just proclaiming boldly what Christ has done in their lives. We pick up the story in verse 13 of chapter 4. When these guys saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, unschooled, they hadn't been to our educational systems, our religious systems, you know what you're talking about. But look at them, they don't even, they haven't been to the schools, they're just ordinary guys, and they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Ooh, isn't that great? That's what people ought to notice about you, that you've been affected by Jesus. Anyway, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there with them, it's kind of hard to deny it. They were freaking out. There's nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw. Says, you guys leave for a minute. We, got to, we need to get together here. And they asked this question. What, what are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. They wanted to, by the way, deny it. Even though they'd seen it, they still didn't believe we often think, man, if people just could see more miracles, they'd believe. Not necessarily. There's all kinds of people who can see miracles, and they still would not believe it. There were these people who crucified Jesus, saw what he did. They saw him heal the sick, raise the dead, and they still did not believe it. Amazing. What are we going to do? But anyway, he says, we got to calm this thing down. So in verse 17, he says, to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we have to warn these men not to talk about this anymore. Hush up. Be quiet. Then they called them in again. That's it, amen. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John said, look, guys, you judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. <laughs> Again, it's like the shepherds. They were yakking it up. Why? Because of what they had experienced in their lives. You see, these guys were not motivated to talk to others about what they thought about religion. Oh, let me tell you what I think about religion. Here's my, here's my opinion of religious things. Nobody cares. Except, you know, pointy nose people you know like to just argue about these things that's not what it was about it's not about debating religion with people don't get caught up in that stuff it wasn't out of a sense of guilt well Jesus said we got to go tell people okay come on John come on we got to go tell somebody it wasn't about that it wasn't even a desirous goal to just tell people the truth you got to tell people the truth you know you got the truth police out there tell them the truth pastor tell them the truth they just love to shove the truth in people's face. Tell them they're going to hell. That's, what, that's the truth. They're going to death. Tell them they're going to hell. That's not really the most effective way, usually, to share the love of God with people. What's well, the truth? Yeah, but just slamming people with the truth isn't always the best thing. For example, let me give you an example. Let's say you're ugly. <laughs> and I come up to you and say, Whoa, dude, you're ugly. That's not particularly helpful. It is, however, the truth. <laughs> so, oh, Pastor Mark, that's a bad analogy. Bad, you're supposed to speak the truth in love. In love. Okay, let's try it this way. I really love you. You're fabulous. You're great. I'm excited. I'm here for you. And you're really ugly. <laughs> Did that help any? Not particularly, okay? Just slamming people with the truth. Easy with the truth, police, okay? Just tell the truth, Pastor. Just tell the truth. 
No, it was for them as it was for the shepherds. A compelling need. We cannot help, he said, but to speak what we've seen and heard. I've got to tell you what I've experienced. There's great power in that. We see this with Jesus in the gospel of John. He meets this lady at a well and he starts talking to her about spiritual things. Notice how he talks to her. He didn't just slam her face with truth and some religious obligation to discuss spiritual things. He starts ministering to this lady and relating to where she's at. We read it in John the first chapter. We'll start with verse one. Or John the fourth chapter, verse one. The Pharisees uh, had heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. It made them nervous. They didn't like that. Although technically it says in the next verse, he didn't, Jesus wasn't the one who baptized him. It was his, his disciples. But when the Lord heard, learned of this, learned that they were getting all jiggity and stuff, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And the next verse says, now he had to go through Samaria to get there. Now, had to go because they didn't like going through Samaria. The Jews were very, very, very strict in who they associated with. If you weren't Jewish, they pretty much didn't have anything to do with you. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. The Gentiles were just a notch above chickens and squirrels and they just had nothing to do with them. We are God's chosen people and we're just going to associate with them. Then there are Samaritans. The Samaritans were kind of like a half-breed deal. They were kind of Jews who didn't marry with whatever and they, but they still didn't like them. Uh, so they, didn't, they weren't crazy about the Samaritans, but they stopped there. And it says here he had to come to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Well, this Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, would you give me something to drink? And then John, in parentheses, uh, explains that his disciples had gone into town to buy food. That's why his disciples weren't there. That's why he asked this lady. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How, how can you ask me for a drink? And then again, John explains, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. See, they wouldn't have anything to do with them. Why are you talking to me? Well, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you'd ask him and he'd give you living water. Well, the woman says, well, sir, if you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep, where are you gonna get this living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, look, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. See, he starts where she's at. She's there for water, talking about that, and now he segues into spiritual things. He says, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says, wow, give me some of this water so I won't get thirsty. I have to keep coming here for this water. And he says to her, go call your husband and come back. And I'm sure she kind of went, kind of touched a sore spot in her life. She had a bit of a problem with husbands, as we're going to learn in a minute here. She says, I, I, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. <laughs> five husbands? You think you'd quit after three or four? Good Lord. Something should tell you this isn't working for you. 
five husbands. And then he says, and the guy you're living with now, he's not, he's not even your husband. What you said is quite true. Wow, how did he know this about her? Then she says, sir, I can, I can see that you're a prophet. And then immediately she wants to change the channel. She wants to change the conversation a little bit from spiritual things to kind of a religious argument. You'll find that when you get the opportunity to share the life of God that's in you. And people will say, wow, there's something about you. And what is it about you? And you'll start talking about, well, you know, I, I've experienced Christ in my life. And it's not shortly before they start wanting to turn the argument into some kind of religious argument. You know, let's argue about this, that, and the other. And right away she changes the subject. Well, you know, our, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we have to worship is in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus said, look, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Your Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. Salvation's from the Jews. Yet a time is coming rather than argue with her about it. The time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then the woman says, well, you know, I, I know the Messiah, you know, the Christ. Uh, he's going to come and, and when he comes, he'll straighten all this out for us. He'll, he'll explain everything. And Jesus declared to her, I who speak to you, am he well now this lady is pretty jazzed I mean this was pretty impressive this guy she's talking to this guy he's saying stuff I've never heard before he knew stuff about me how would he even know that? how did he know I was married five times and I'm living in sin now and, and by the way notice Jesus did not reject this woman somebody say amen. amen here's a lady who made a lot of bad choices he didn't go say well bro, you know, I'd love to help you but you've had divorce and remarried so many times I can't have anything to do with you or you've made so many false mistakes He's reaching out to this lady in spite of all of her mistakes. It's good news for the rest of us, amen? He loves people. Well, she gets so excited, she goes and tells everybody. See, that's what happens. He didn't tell her to go tell anybody. But when you've experienced God, it's kind of hard not to at some point share it with somebody else. And she starts sharing it and people say, wow, they start checking it out and they... They're so impressed by what she's saying. They start believing just by what she says. We read about it in verse 39. He says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus. Why? Just because of the woman's testimony. That she said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. She was motivated to tell others based on her experience. And soon the others were celebrating their own experience. This Christmas, as you get together with family and friends and all the joys and trials and troubles that that can bring, let me encourage you. Let the love of Jesus shine out to your friends and to your family. Some words of advice. First and foremost, make sure the love of God is shining through you. Don't be arrogant, don't be mean, don't be nasty, don't be holier than thou. Well, you don't know my brother, he's demon possessed. I don't care, be nice to everybody. All right? Even though they're pushing all those little buttons that drive you up a wall. And don't just 
talk to people about religious things out of some kind of obligation. Oh, I got to the pastors that I had to. You know, people can see through that. That's, that's not what, that's not effective anyway. Number three, try and avoid religious debates. Don't get sucked into stuff that doesn't matter. You know, silly, goofy things that people like to argue about. Uh, be judicious with the truth. Just don't hammer people. But because a lot of people, somebody's helping out here preaching this morning. <laughs> you want to come up here? You're better looking than I am anyway. Got more hair too. <laughs> be judicious, judicious with the truth. Be careful, particularly with people who you really know because you know the truth about them. But don't be mean with the truth. Don't just hammer people with the truth. Share the truth in love, but be kind and considerate. Jesus could have easily said to this woman, you are a scumbag. You're living in sin. You've had so many guys, we can't even count them anymore. Who are you? You know, blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that. Be nice to people. Be kind to people with the truth. And then finally, share what you have seen and heard, what your experience has been. And always remember this. The person with an experience is never at the mercy to the person who has an argument. Okay? For example, if I come up to you and hand you 100 bucks, which I'm not going to do, but if I come and hand you a hundred bucks and then you go tell somebody, guess what? Pastor Mark gave me a hundred dollars. And if they start to argue with you, say, well, wait, I know Pastor Mark. He's too cheap. He'd never give you a hundred dollars. And, and they start, and it starts explaining to you why that would never happen. And that would be inappropriate. And they could give you all the argument in the world. It doesn't matter why. You got the hundred dollars. Even if they look at it and say, Ah, he didn't give that to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? The person with the experience is never at the mercy of it. You can argue all day long about it. But I know what I know because I have what I have. I've received what I've received from God. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It is what it is. And if you don't agree all day long, it doesn't change anything. The man with experience is never at the mercy to the man with an argument. And finally, uh, as we get into this Christmas season, and again, you, you should, uh, it's always a great time to be able to share the love of God with people just because of the season. Let me encourage you to be bold, to look for opportunities, even pray for opportunities that God will give you to share God's love with those maybe who are really hurting. Because the reality is, I know a lot of you know family and friends, they are really hurting. They're in really bad places who are, are just caught up in stuff that is destroying them. And you think, man, if I could just get them to church, if I could just get, you know, but just love them and pray for opportunities where you can share with them, where it's not about arguing and debating, but it's about sharing this wonderful story that you have, talking about what you've experienced. Even if you don't know everything, you don't have to really know much of anything. What's interesting is these people would go out. The shepherds went and told everybody. What did they know? Nothing. Angels showed up, started dancing in the sky. Yeah, we believe that. I mean, come on, would you believe that? But they went and told everybody. It didn't matter what they believed. They were excited about it. This woman goes and tells. Nobody told her to go tell everybody. She didn't have classes first. 
She didn't have to rehearse the first wife. She's just merely saying what she has experienced. People can argue and say, listen, I don't know about your arguments. All I know is what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced in my life. And pray for little opportunities, you know. God will answer your prayers if you have an open heart to look for opportunities. Sometimes you have to pray for an opportunity because no other opportunities will present themselves. You just gotta, you gotta pray. It reminds me of a time I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was stuck in an airport down there and uh, stuck there for hours and I was thinking, man, you know, you see all these people running around. Man, I wish I could just talk to somebody. Just share the love of God with somebody. You know what I'm talking about? But they're, you know, they don't want to talk to you. They're busy. And, uh, and, and I remember, I was, I was just leaning up against the phone booth and I, I prayed. I said, Lord, I pray you'd send somebody so I could just talk to them about your love. And the phone rang. And I rang again. I go, no way. <laughs> so, hello, nobody was there, so I picked up the phone and said, uh, hello? And this lady says, yeah, is John there? And I look, I said, no, he's, he's not here. I said, I'm here, and I'd love to talk to you. She said, about what? And I started talking to her about the love of God and explaining to her how she could know the joy of having her sins forgiving forgiven that she wasn't just out there by herself that God cared about her that Jesus Christ died on the cross so she could have life I said have you ever asked Jesus into your life she said no sir I said would you like to she says yes I would so I prayed with her right then and there on the spot and she prayed and she asked Jesus in her heart she was just thrilled about it and then I hang up the phone and I'm going whoa that was pretty cool and I'm sitting there just kind of stunned for about five minutes and the phone rang again. <laughs> you realize phones don't normally ring at phone booths. You know what I'm saying? It's not like somebody's house. <laughs> and I picked it up. It was the lady again. She had been so excited, so touched by what I had just prayed with her. She went and grabbed a friend and said, I have a friend here. Will you pray with her too? And I prayed with her and she asked Jesus in her heart. I've never met these women. I've never seen them. I'll see them someday in heaven. I have no idea who they are. But you just, this, this is wonderful, the opportunities God will give you. And consider this. Here's a lady who just prayed. She doesn't know anything. And she runs to tell somebody. And affects her life, even though she didn't know much of anything. But one thing she did know, once I was blind, but now I see. The guilt of sin has been lifted off of me. Something has changed in my life. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and come forward uh, at our campuses as well as here in this auditorium. Get ready to serve communion. The musicians can get ready uh, for our communion time. You know, Christianity is really unusual from any other religion. You know, any other religion, you have to learn about it first. If you want to become... Jewish, you need to learn about Judaism and become a Jew. If you want to be Muslim, you have to learn about Islam and become a Muslim. If you want to be a Buddhist, you have to learn about Buddhism. And after you learn these things, then you finally make a decision, yeah, I would like to be this. And then they'll take you through, you know, the classes and everything else to become whatever, all the requirements that are there for you to become. It's not easy. But Christianity is odd. It's, it's, it's totally different because you experience God's first before you know anything. It's absolutely fascinating. You don't have to know much of anything today other than the fact that God loves you 
And Jesus Christ died on a cross so that his body, that's what we're going to celebrate during communion. His body was broken so you could be whole. His blood was shed so you could have forgiveness of sins. You may not, the interesting thing about Christianity is first you experience the living Christ. See, it's not about religion. It's not about a bunch of thoughts. It's not about a bunch of debates. It's an experience. You actually experience Christ. You experience him first and then you learn. It's absolutely fascinating. My question to you this morning is, have you experienced Christ in your life? Oh, I go to church, or I'm not that bad of a guy, or gave to the United Way. Well, those things won't cut it for you. You can go to church all your life. It's not, it won't make you a Christian. Any more than sitting in the garage will turn you into a car. <laughs> it's not about what you do. It's about experiencing the living Christ in your life. You can do that this morning. I want everybody that's listening right now to bow your heads and we're gonna pray a prayer together. If you're here this, I'm gonna invite everybody to pray it, but if you're here this morning and you've never experienced Christ in your life, if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life, you'll put your faith in him, you can experience God's forgiveness today. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what he's done on that cross for you let's pray this prayer together say dear Jesus I believe you are the son of God that you loved me so much you went to the cross and took my punishment I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins I now surrender my life to you amen